0: Amen. Let's thank Bruce again. Thanks, Bruce. Hey, Bruce, I want to invite you after the service, if you could, be out at the missions desk. Uh, Maybe Madeline and um, Lori could do the same thing, answer some questions, get to meet some people. Maybe God has put it on your heart to try to make a trip there um, and go and, and minister. Don't forget to pick up magnets also. We have all those magnets. You don't have to just take one. You can take all, you can take, you know, not all of them, but one of each missionary. We have them lined up on our refrigerator. Every time we bow for prayer in our kitchen, we, we go right down the list praying for these missionaries. So be sure and grab one of those. It makes a difference. All right, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. Just in the few minutes we have remaining, I'm going to point out a few things to you about this last component of prayer. As Jesus taught us to pray. Um, In the Lord's Prayer, he said, pray like this. Today, the building blocks that we've been building today, we're going to talk about this final component of protection, finding protection from evil. So last week we talked about the need for confession. Confession of our sins is important in prayer. But not only do we need to confess our sin, but we need to pray for strength to resist sinning in the first place. And Jesus said at the end of this Lord's Prayer, He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or deliver us from the evil one. Look in Matthew chapter 6. Let's read the whole prayer. Verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want to have a little fun with this this morning to illustrate because, you know, we've, we've moved from the winter season to this rainy season and Mosquitoes are now going crazy. This is really bug season for us here in Houston. And so I want to share with you what I want to call today some instruments of death. Ooh, instruments of death. This is my box of death. That's what this is. All right. And I've got a few things in here that I'm going to share with you with respect to all of these things. Think about this for a moment. Bugs uh, are not that smart. (laughs) Bugs don't understand a lot of bugs don't know this but there is an enemy that they have (laughs) and that enemy is you and me right and there are other people who are more sophisticated and more technical than you and me who stay up late at night to try to destroy bugs they try to lure them to traps that lead to their death and bugs will voluntarily kind of lead themselves into death and the reason is it's because the enemy is smarter right you can never say to a bug choose death because a bug would never choose left death you have to lure them with the promise of life you have to lure them with the promise of good food so in this box is a bunch of lures and promises you guys might remember this one the roach motel remember the roach motel this thing has been around for decades i think roaches check in but they don't check out (laughs) This is the lure of good food in this motel. This, the, I'm checking in to get some good food, and of course, it's the last meal that this roach will ever eat. It's their, it's kind of their last supper. And then you, you know, this is the old school one, fly paper. How many of you ever? Some of you young people maybe have never even seen fly paper. This is fly paper, and I'm not going to touch this because you know what will happen. Well, it just broke. Uh, I understand that this emits an odor. And it attracts bugs to it, and they land on it. And, of course, it's the last odor that they will ever smell um, as they die there on this glue that keeps them. It's, they fly to death. Basically, that's the ideal here. And then we have this. What is this? Yeah, it's a bug zapper, right? Uh, so this thing emits an attractive blue light. And so the bugs essentially say, oh, cool, light. Light. And they, they're drawn to this light. And as they get closer to the light, what happens? Zap. Yeah, right. And they're dead. Now, let's get inside the head of a bug for just a moment, right? You would think that there would be some that would observe the fact that there's some dead bodies <laughs> littered on the tray of this, right? Maybe it'd be a little bit more reflective. And think about the fact that, hey, my friends have gone to the blue light, but they've never returned. <laughs> They they don't they don't think like that, right? No, they they fly there, they say to themselves, I know what I'm doing, I'm smart enough, I'll be able to resist this light. But as the Bible says, there is a way that seems right unto a bug, and in the end thereof is the way of death. Now they fly right into it, and of course they're zapped. Now, all these things are based upon what? They're based upon a lie. They're based upon deception. Temptations are always cloaked in deception. We say to ourselves, oh, well, bugs are the only ones who do that. Bugs are the only things that are dumb enough to fall for those kinds of things. Let me share with you one more instrument of death. Not that apples are bad. That's not my point, right? Apples have kind of got a bad rap. We don't know that it was an apple there in the Garden of Eden, but we know it was a fruit of some kind, and it was... Pleasing to the eye, it looked good for food, it was delightful for understanding. Eve partook of it, she led Adam to partake of it, they both, what, zapped. (laughs) And we scratch our heads and we wonder sometimes, when we think about this thing of temptation, you've got to wonder, every time... We read about another person who falls into temptation. Every time another marriage is broken up, every time another person destroys their family, destroys their life, loses their job, we go to ourselves, why? Why do we fly into the light? Well, part of the reason is because we have an enemy. And that enemy stays up late at night thinking of ways to lure us into his traps. To lure us into death and to do the very things that would harm us. Satan is truly a reality. He exists. His mission, let me just share these things with you. His mission is to separate us from the love of God. You've got to understand that, right? Satan's primary goal is not to get you to sin. His primary goal is to get you to sin so that that sin will separate you from the love of God. To forget who God is in your life. His method is temptation, always cloaked in deception. And this is why Jesus teaches us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, as some translations will say. Temptation is what the evil one does. If you think about it, it's just about his only power is to tempt you and me. He can't control us. He can't possess us. He can't do anything without our permission. The only thing that he can do that he seeks to do is to tempt us into sin. And Jesus says, listen, you've got to pray for protection in your prayers. Pray against temptation and pray against participating in evil. Now, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10, we're going to look in verse, th- verse 13, this, this famous verse about temptation. And we're going to talk about some reality of it because we're going to apply this principle of, of Jesus asking us and telling us to pray against temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Three truths about temptation that are found in this passage. They're self-evident. They come from the text itself. First of all, expect temptation. Expect temptation. You're going to be tempted. So... Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 10, don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be disappointed that it happens. It's a part of being a human being. Jesus himself was tempted. And many times we're surprised about the fact that we're tempted. This is a part of living in a sin-stained world. We're going to experience it. But what's really more amazing is that we're not only surprised about temptation, we're often surprised about the consequences of sin as a result of temptation. Why are we surprised when we suffer consequences of sin? We shouldn't be. The ideal here is that no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. That's what Paul says. Not common to man. Not common to man. So just like every other person on the planet, we're going to face temptations. And our temptations are not unique. Other people have been tempted with them before. We think they're unique. In fact, we think about temptation as being major moral sins most of the time, right? Murder, adultery, those big ones, right? The tempter is not dumb. He's not. The tempter does not come and say, choose death. Because he knows we would never ever do that. The tempter is not going to come and tempt you with something that is obviously destructive or repugnant to you. The most dangerous temptation that you face is probably not the most dramatic sin. It's not the most spectacular thing. Most dangerous temptation you face is most likely the subtle lure that takes you away from intimacy with God. Giving into temptation is allowing myself to be torn away from the God who loves me. That's what's at stake with temptation. That's His goal. If you look in context in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you'll see that Paul starts off in chapter 10 talking about the sin of idolatry. That's where it begins. Then he moves from there as he goes down. He talks about the sin of adultery. But then right before this passage in verse 13, when he talks about the way out of sin, he talks about the sin of grumbling. Isn't that interesting? That grumbling can be just as effective as idolatry or adultery in leading us away from the love of God? Absolutely it can. He is cunning. He is deceptive. In fact, sometimes those more subtle things can be far more dangerous because we don't often view them as sin. We view them as attitudes, little personality quirks. and Satan uses those, again, a foothold in our lives that leads us ultimately away from God, from finding joy in Christ. The evil one doesn't just tempt us to do what's wrong. This is what we also have to understand. He also tempts you and me not to do what's right. There's sins of commission, but sins of omission. He wants you and I not to go deep with God, not to do the things in life that God has created us to do. And he uses things like grumbling and discontent and worry and busyness. And you see, those things can accomplish the same things that adultery can. When and if they lead us away from the love of Christ. Um, the evil one is cunning. These small, subtle things can be things that have huge, huge impacts upon our lives. So, first of all, don't be surprised. Expect temptation. Secondly, secondly, God knows just how much you can bear. And God's not unmindful of this. God is sovereign. God understands Now, this passage, if you look at it, it says, the second part of verse 13, God is faithful. Isn't that great that that's tucked right in the middle of all that? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now, this verse is often misused by Christians because they use it as a way of talking about suffering. And sometimes they'll say to someone in really bad pain, they'll say to them, God won't let you suffer beyond what you can bear. That's just not true. That's not what this passage is teaching. The Bible doesn't say that. People suffer to the point of death every day all around the world. This is about temptation, not suffering. This is about the inner ability that sometimes suffering creates some temptation in our lives to give up on God. I've seen people suffer immensely, though, who were tempted to grumble, who were tempted to doubt God, who kept their faith, and in the midst of immense suffering, even up to the point of death, stayed true. the love of God because it was about inner victory for them the temptation was them to succumb to doubting God and his love so it's not about suffering it's about temptation and God knows how much you can bear now um, a few years ago I used to work out with a friend of mine and he was a bodybuilder some of you met him his name is Mike He's come to our church a couple of times. And Mike is, you know, he's really buff. And you can tell I don't work out with him much anymore, right? So uh, I, I was working out with him, and he kind of pushes you, right, as good trainers do. And um, my body is screaming, stop, <laughs> right? Put it down. And, and he'll say to me just at that time, he'll say, You can do two more reps. you got two more in you. And in my mind, I'm saying bad words to him about him, you know. <laughs> But I'll do it, right? I'll do it. And you know what? He was right. He knew, as a professional, he knew how much I could bear. God knows the same for you and me. So that leads to a conclusion. that's obvious. When we sin, when we fall to temptation, we cannot blame God. We cannot blame other people. We cannot blame circumstances. God knows how much you can bear. He won't give you any more beyond what you can bear. So in truth, when you sin, you have chosen to sin. It's not other people's fault. It's not that God gave you too much. Oh, God, it was just too overwhelming. God, it was just too tempting. No, God knows how much. He never takes you beyond that point where you cannot say no. Here's the final thing. He will provide strength to endure it. This is a promise of God. (laughs) That is amazing. Look at the last part of verse 13. It says, with the temptation, he will always provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now think about this. What is the method of escape from temptation? Enduring it. At least in this text, the, the way to escape temptation is by enduring it. The way not to succumb to it is by enduring it. So God is not always removing the temptation from us. Guys, listen, we know we're faced with temptation each and every day. And as much as we want to pray, God, please remove it. God, please remove it. That's not ultimately the promise of God. The promise of God is that in the midst of temptation, you will be able to withstand it and to endure it. And you say, how? Let me just share with you two words that help us to find the inner resources and the inner strength to withstand and endure temptation. The first word is going to surprise you. It's the word joy. Joy. In my own life, if I could name the single greatest emotional resource against temptation, it would be found in that single word, joy. Joy. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, this classic statement in Scripture, most of you know this verse. Nehemiah says to the people, for the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, how in the world does joy give us strength? Well, I believe experiencing, I really do, experiencing authentic, God-honoring joy may be the single greatest weapon against temptation a human being can ever, ever have. And on the flip side, joylessness is always a setup for vulnerability to sin and disobedience. Here's what I mean by that. One writer said it like this. One author said, Failure to attain a deeply satisfying life always has the effect of making sinful actions seem good. Let me read that again. Failure to attain a deeply satisfying life always has the effect of making sinful actions seem good. But when we are deeply satisfied with Christ, and we experience deep joy in Him, I'm not talking about happiness in our circumstances, where what we truly desire is Christ. We really seek Him. That, that is what fills our tank, that fills our cup. That kind of joy, when we experience that kind of satisfaction deeply in Christ, temptations that would lead us away from Him have little appeal. They lose their power and their effect. Because the dynamic of my relationship with Christ, I found that he's all I need, all I want. Everything else beyond that is just a gift of grace. And that joy that fills that tank then makes all these other temptations that would lead me away from that joy much, much less powerful in my life. I don't know if you've ever been to Perry's Steakhouse And uh, eating the steak or the pork chops. If I'm there and I'm eating those pork chops and I'm deeply satisfied with that. Why in the world would I get on my knees and try to eat the crumbles of bread that have fallen off the table on the floor? My satisfaction with this denies the satisfaction of that. Because my tank is full. So joy is a great, great way of finding strength against temptation. And then the last way to do that is prayer. It brings us full circle back to what Jesus was saying, praying for protection. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The reason that Jesus asked us to pray this is because if we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, God will do that. God will help There is power in prayer. So you say, I'm just being tempted all the time. Are you praying what Jesus said to pray? Are you praying, deliver us from evil? Lead us not into temptation. Are you praying that prayer? In Psalm 138.3, look at this. In the day when I cried out, the psalmist said, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Strength to endure comes through prayer so now maybe today you've been battling temptation for a long time boy we face it every day and doesn't it get weary it does you know time and time again i must come back endure fight this temptation on this side of heaven that's the game there's an enemy and that enemy is not saying choose death he's putting things before us lies cloaked in temptation Things that are good for the eyes seem good for food. Those things that would seem pleasurable in the short term, but in the long term lead to death. Peter would say the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking to devour. That's who it is. But we have an advocate deep, deep within. That advocate is Christ Himself. You know, this week as I was studying, I remembered a prayer for protection that children used to pray a long time ago. And I bet many of you remember it also. Here, here's the prayer. This was from generations ago. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. There's a second verse to that prayer. Most of you don't know this. I didn't either. Here's the second verse. It gets a little bit darker than that one. Our days begin with trouble here. Our life is but a span. And cruel death is always near. So frail a thing is man. Now, those are cheery words to tuck Johnny into bed at night with, aren't they? (laughs) Don't let the bugs bite. Cruel death is near. Good night, honey. (laughs) But do you know why that was prayed two or three generations ago is because much more than in our modern world, people understood that life really is a battle, that there really is an enemy, and that we are all really quite frail and weak, that we are susceptible. And one of our hopes, one of their hopes at that point in time was to pray all the time, my soul to keep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Satan's after your soul. That's what he wants. And he uses sin as a segue to your soul. And to pray, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. To pray for protection provides a power. Yes, we have an enemy and he is strong. But there is one who is stronger still. The Apostle John would say it. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God promises strength. When we pray. He has won the battle. And on this side of heaven, there's a struggle and there's temptations. But whatever you're tempted toward, whatever it is, be reminded today, you do not face it alone. And that there is a God who listens, who hears, who responds, and who will help you. Let's make that our prayer. Let's bow. Father, thank you. Thank you for the promise of your presence, even in the midst of, in the midst of temptation, trial. Lord, I know there are people here today who are weary because of temptation and sin and they feel today there's no hope there's no sense the question for them this morning is this is there enough grace for me thank you father that you're faithful to forgive us of our sin every time we come to you every time And though we grow weary, God, you do not grow weary in forgiving us. So Lord, help us to confess our sin and find cleansing and forgiveness. But also help us to pray prayers of protection and strength from this evil one. We trust you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks.